0: Here at Stodgeface, Face, we take our baking seriously. And we're not talking about the de banana bread type baking. We're talking American style original recipe. Hard to come by, donut frying, cupcake styling baking. And we have done our research. Try it for yourself, we insist. Open weekdays from 10am and weekends from 12pm. We only close when the shelves have been emptied. We are currently located in Irish Town Athlone and our new Tullamore-based venture is coming soon. So watch this space. We are people friendly, dog friendly and COVID friendly. We are Stodge Face. And now we're going to have a song from a young Offaly band. They're called Church Mice and they're here to sing their new single. Now, the new single is called I Don't Think So. It's doing very well, this single. It's in the shops at the moment and there you can have a look at it now. I Don't Think So. And it went into the charts at number 23. So here they are, Church Mice, with their new single, I Don't Think So.
1: to be there all of the time and to say that I am the one but I don't
2: think so Hi everybody, it's Thursday. This is What's the Story with myself, Lloyd Bracken. Hope you're in top form and you had a good week. We're live here from our little town media studio in Raheen. And uh, I just want to say thank you very much to all the comments last week about the Clara Fire Service podcast. It was nice to put that out there and just show the work the lads do and the training they have to endure. And it's such a good service to have in Claratown, and long may it last. Also, on a personal note, thank you very much for the comments and feedback on the tribute video I put out for my nephew, John Chucky Dunn, who sadly passed away three months ago. And uh, we miss him dearly. And we hope that video brought back some memories and a few little pictures of, of Chucky in there. And uh, it's a song he loved, Drink a Beer, what John loved doing at times. So I really hope you enjoyed it. And thank you very much to my great friends I have for helping me get that out there. Last bit from me please don't forget our Santa podcast on the 17th of December. Please get your kids' notes into me before the 13th of December, where they're from, what they're looking for, and we'll get Santa to read out those messages. Very important, get them in before or on the 13th of December. And you can do that by emailing me at Littletown M E D, at gmail.com or PMing me on the LittleTown Media Facebook page. Right. My next guest shot to fame in 2003 after being on uh, a huge run on TV every Sunday night, primetime TV in 2003 on Eurostar competition, where that competition searched for the next Eurovision contestant. You might remember my next guest battling it out with a certain Mickey Joe Hart for the number one spot. But indeed, since that, he has had a lot of number ones and a lot of chart hits and multi-platinum albums and does a lot of work in between for charity and everything. So it's an absolute pleasure to introduce to you a personal friend of mine, Simon Casey. What's the story? Hi Lloyd. That's <laughs> some introduction. Thanks very much. Thank Simon, you. no pressure now. You're the third Ballycumber person we've had on the podcast. The third. God. on. Okay, so, yeah. hope are you good as your uh, memory as Catch Buckley
3: was. Not at all. I have to say, look, Lloyd, since since you've started this podcast, it's just been unbelievable. I think everybody's enjoyed it, especially during lockdown, you know. It's just something that we kind of look forward to every week. So, I'm I'm delighted to be here. Simon, take me back <laughs> for starters. Growing up in Boher indeed in Ballycumber. Mm-hmm. What are your memories? Ah, uh, look, I have great memories of of Porter, Ballycumber. Obviously, I'm the second youngest of five, you know. So it was a, it was always a busy house. But look, like, we always had fantastic times, you know, with green fields all around us. That bringing home the turf, the the hay, you know, of getting the donkey every every summer to bring home the hay and all the rest. Like you know, Dad used to rent a bit of land up at the priest's. We used to love that every year, you know So, kind of, you know, I kind of feel like, you know, simple times But they were very simple times, but brilliant times I
2: suppose you were small farmers as well Any time I uh, even out there, there was always ducks and hens and ah, everything look,
3: They're still there, they're still there, you know So, uh, I'm, I have a few hens myself now, you know So I'm, uh, No, look, we've always had livestock around the place Like, you know, dogs, cats, any kind of poultry, you know So, uh, my dad's a big, big poultry fancier, you know So, Simon, where did Len and Theresa meet? Well, Mum is a Rattan woman, lives in, in, she used to live in Kilarani in Rattan, and uh, she actually worked in Rabbits and Clara for years. Dad, was, uh, dad came to Ballycumber then in 1964, he, he ended up in Principal in Porter National School. Where's your dad originally from? Dad, dad's from Drimla in Dublin, so he's a dub, yeah, so he ended up down here. He actually met Mum in Clara. In the at uh, a dance in in the Clara G.A. Hall in 1965, it's would you know, and then they got married two years later, you know. So it's kind of yes, yeah, so the the ballroom of romance in Clara, I suppose, you know. So would your father be shouting for Dublin now in the All Ireland? Oh yeah, oh God, it's it's unbelievable. It's a you know what I, I'd I'd say if you could just get a, I might I might just put in a hidden camera now for the next game because <laughs> it's just the best thing to listen to. You know, he's he's so passionate about Dublin and you know he hates Kerry. The more you can beat them, the Tip better, you know. Dub, so, eh? but look, he wouldn't, he wouldn't hold it against Mayo either. now, you know what this said. But no, he's a, he's a dub big, big uh, true and true. Like, yeah, So tell me a little bit about your family, Simon. You say so you're the second youngest. Who else have we got? Yeah, well, Suzanne is the eldest, and then Leonard, Terrence, myself, and then Conrad, and obviously my mum and dad as well. You know, so it's a very, very busy house. You know, but uh, great, a great house. We all we all got on great. I Have to say, we had a great relationship together. The whole office there was never any. Never too many arguments, you know. Okay. Your school <coughs> Simon, was quite different to most people. Your father was the principal in yeah. Bournemouth. Was he there was... any special treatment going <laughs> on? Uh, I have to say, right, my father is the best man for leaving it, leaving it all in the school. for so he was, you know, he'd never come home and say, "What happened to that maths exam today?" Like, you know, got him, you know, get, you know, get in there and, and learn that Pythagoras theorem or whatever the hell it was. Right.
2: So, <laughs> so he was your, your dad at home, is what you're saying? Yeah, been... at school then it was the principal, professional. Yeah.
3: Absolutely and you know a lot of people probably wouldn't you know agree with it but definitely with dad it was kind of like you go to school to learn or whatever you come home and he's your dad you know so it's, he definitely left it he left it in the school without a doubt Simon were you ever
2: sent to the principal's office?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't actually I wasn't I wasn't but That I would
2: have been a strange one to be fair <laughs> but I suppose you, you hadn't far to walk to school anyway
3: No like we were running up the road from the school you know and again like at very simple times you'd run up you'd run home at half twelve for, for lunch Every day, and mum, mum would have the, have the tea and toast the sandwiches ready for you, and back up you get the last fifteen minutes of of long of long lunch, like and score a few goals or whatever, like you know. So it was, everything was a rush, but it was it was great, you yeah. know.
2: Was it during your time in um, primary school that you, you found your talent, or that you were into drama classes and stuff? Mm-hmm. When did you realize you could you could sing?
3: Um, I think the big thing was, like, years ago, we used to do the school concerts, obviously, but then we had the Ballet School of Drama as well at the time, you know. I started to get kind of lead roles in that. I suppose the very first time that I kind of taught myself to something here it was, I was only 12 at the time, Radio 3 at the time, used to do a talent competition. It was Good Morning Midlands, Mary Fanning used to do it. It was kind of a, a Midlands talent show to find people under the age of 14, you know, so everybody kind of entered, I entered, and I sang a song called Sonny, Sonny Don't Go Away. I got first first prize that that went out live on radio during the grand final. So that was that was for me uh, you know I got a bit of gold crystal and I got I think I got a 250 pound check. Yeah, so, so you won that, this competition. I won that competition and that, like you know after that then I started kind of getting lead roles in, in pieces like um in drama the Les Misérables and and the Phantom of the Opera and all the rest like you know. So that was certainly the time when I thought you know when I was 12 yeah when I thought I've um, really enjoyed it, you know. So
2: where was there an influence in your family? Uh, for the for the acting background and singing, or?
3: yeah. Well, I suppose Dad, my my father, obviously principal of school, but also when he came to Borra first, I think back in nineteen sixty four. That's when he when he arrived in Borra. There was no choir at the time, you know, in up at the church. So himself and Chrissy Coffee, Lord Rester, um, they put a little choir together to them, and they, Dad was did a lot of the the lead vocal, like you know. And uh, I didn't find out about that until much uh, much later on. Like my mum probably David wouldn't have much of a note in her. Not in her head <laughs> but <laughs> seemingly her dad was a very good singer you know so look there was uh, I suppose you're kind of getting it from from both sides there you know of course.
2: and that rubbed off on Terence then as well
3: Terence as well and like you know and Suzanne as well like Suzanne was in the they, they have a they won an All-Ireland um, Ballot group you know so um, got to a couple of All-Irelands in the Ballot group sorry so look, definitely looked at it's, it's, it was a big influence on us the, my parents had a huge influence on us from, from a music point of view I remember Mac back <clears throat> many years ago in Ballycumber, in the hall, in G A. Tops of
2: the Town, I believe it was myself yeah. and my mother was out there. We were huge fans of Tops of the Town, and this little lad come on mm-hmm. with a dicky bow and a white shirt, and he sang Les Miserables, uh, "Bring Him Home," mm-hmm. and that just absolutely brought the house down. Did yeah.
3: you, did, do you remember that night? I do, I do. Yeah, like that for me is it's just an amazing song. I still, I still sing it now and again at concerts, you know. But um, you know, I'd never heard of Colin Wilkinson or any of these. You know, I didn't know much about musicals at the time like you know cuz I was only like, a awesome, gossip, you know but when i heard that song it just jesus what a what a song like it was just when i got the lead role to sing it then i sang it at a couple of different competitions down up and down as well then after that yeah
2: no i, I remember that night and i didn't know you that well mm-hmm. if if he if he even knew you yeah, at all back then yeah. and i just said to myself like Jesus he, this guy's going to go far, you know. Yeah, well, I that was standing ovation, and yeah. yeah.
3: and that was that was before I came into arts school care and obviously we ended up in a couple of the same <laughs> classes together after that. But but uh, no, look, you just mentioned John Clare tops there, and heard a couple of your guests. How positive it was for for everybody, for the but people of Clara, but also for people of Ballycumber, like we had a great little tops um, set up there for many many years, you know, and uh, the best, the really, really the best of times. What a what like an introduction into into showbiz you for know? a
2: small village like Ballycumber. The top standard then was massive. Then I remember, yeah. like Clara was worried about Ballycumber a couple yeah. of times, you know. Was yeah.
3: that the standard was brilliant. It was, it was, it was excellent. You know, it was pure professionalism. And you know, I suppose we used to kind of have the a lot of. The younger kids used to be involved in it as well, like you know, and I was one of them kids at the time, like you know, and I, 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 I think a couple of the the judges didn't really like. I remember Biddy White Lennon actually; she she had a big, big problem with, with kids being on the stage at that time of the night. Like you know, so these are, you know, it's amazing. But I, I thought for me, like it was it was a fantastic, fantastic um, kind of apprenticeship, you know, into music. We spoke briefly there about Terence. Let's hear a little bit from Terence.
4: We grew up in Boater Valley Cumber. There was five kids in the family. Simon was the second youngest and what I remember most about Simon as a young lad he was always he was always outside kicking a ball himself and Conrad always talking about football always running up and down he was a really really sporty kid so when he started playing GA he was he was a very good footballer very skillful young lad Simon and Conrad were big so soccer supporters and when they were little when they were probably Simon was maybe nine years old ten years old himself and Conrad got this idea where they would write to all these footballers in England in the Old Championship, which would have been the Premiership now, send a letter looking for a signed photograph. And Simon was a huge Villa fan. Everyone knew that. His plan anyway was that he'd write a letter and in the letter he'd say, Dear so-and-so, I'm a huge fan of yours and of Aston Villa. And then he'd say, This is my third time of writing and you still haven't replied to my request for a signed photograph. One time this letter came in the door and it was from Mark Bright. And Mark Bright played with Crystal Palace in the kind of late 80s, early 90s. In the letter he said... Dear Simon, I receive all of my fan mail, and I find it very unbelievable that you would have written three times, and I wouldn't have received it. So he kind of, he kind of called Simon out on his, uh, his scam, and then at the end he signed, Mark Bright. I think his, his love for Villa came from the likes of like Paul McGrath, and, you know the boys that played on the Irish Republic team. Growing up, music wise, Simon was always singing. Uh, when our aunts would come over from England. We'd be kind of brought out in front of them near the end of the night, you know, and we'd all have to sing a song for them. And there was never a bother in Simon. He was always, he was always prepared. And then he was in Scorn and Ogue as a, as a kid, did very well in that. And he won a competition for the Lions Club. That was his first kind of big competition, big singing competitions. I think he, he sang Sonny. And uh, I know himself and my mother, like, you know, she was so, so proud. My mother was so proud of him that day. Always Simon is kind of, uh, you know, I do a little bit of music too, and Simon has always been there for me. Kind of always kind of helped me out, you know, kind of got me up and running with my two piece. And even now, you know, Simon, he's still there, still there helping and supporting. So uh, he's a great lad. But I just want to wish him all the very, very best with his new album and just the best with everything because he's, a, he's, a, he's an all around good guy. Oh,
2: Simon, that's your brother, Terrence. Thanks, Terence. I wish my brothers would talk that <laughs> nice for me. <moment. laughs> so, uh. Simon Casey, the football stalker.
3: The football <laughs> soccer, yeah. But that was a big thing at the time, like, you know, because uh, I would have heard years ago that uh, actually started with Leonard, my older brother. He started writing off to, like, of Frank Stapleton and all these Gary Bailey and all these kind of Man United lads back in the 80s. And he uh, used to get autographs back and I just, you know, I started I just... T- love the top, like in fairness, I, I nearly always got. I got. Lo- I've, loads, like I've hundreds and hundreds of them at home. There, you know, so it'll be worth money someday. You know, that Mark Bright. <laughs> that, that was a good one. <laughs> Never forget Mark Bright. Oh god, you're an Aston Villa fan. No, massive. Where massive. did that come from? I think it came from. Um, I definitely think it came from my Uncle George. It's a, my Uncle George would be, he he ended up a principal in, in um, Uh over there in Castle Daly. Yeah, so he was a huge, huge Villa fan. and I think that was kind of rubbed off me, you know, so um, ever since. And, you know, as Terence said there, it was kind of when Paul McGrath, Steve Staunton, Ray Houghton, uh, Townsend, they're all kind of uh, all on the Irish team and all on the Villa team at the same time, you know. So that's when I really, really stuck into it.
2: Actually, let's hear a little bit from one of them Aston Villa guys.
5: Uh, hi, Simon. Paul McGrath here. Uh, I just listened to your um, your new album and enjoyed it uh, an awful lot. Aren't you very lucky, I was thinking, to be an Aston Villa supporter and a great musician? So, listen, I just wanted to let you know that I I really did enjoy the album and best of luck to you with uh, getting that off and up and running. And uh, take care of yourself. So mind yourself, pal. And hopefully I'll see you soon. Take care.
3: Bye-bye. That's the great ooh ah part of oh, How do you do it? How do you <laughs> do it? <God laughs> would, I, would he be one of your, is, your biggest ideas? Ah uh, look, he he is for me you know, we we call him as as Villa fans, we call him God. And I know there's many, many Irish fans would call him the same, like, but uh, what a what an absolute legend. You know, that's, that's you know, I'm very emotional even listening to that now, because he he really, really he's everything to me, you know, as a footballer, you know. He's uh, what a legend. And mm-hmm. Jesus Lloyd, what a that's if yeah. some coop knows. Yeah, we've only a big guest thanks here thanks
2: much. in Raheem, you know what <laughs> <Yeah>. I mean? <laughs> so we we'll get to your music prowess in a minute, but uh I suppose from national school you moved into Clara. mm mm-hmm.
3: What was that like? Actually a funny one like when I when I started in Clara, I actually started two weeks after everyone else because I actually ended up in the Mercy College in, in Moat for, for a week and a oh, half. Hey, this is gossip now. <laughs> so, and uh, I, I kind of had, you know, the whole summer I was there, i going to Moat, no, I'm going to Clara. No, I'm going to Clara, I want to play football. I knew the Clara lads were good footballers and, you know, Moat at the time, let's, let's face it, like, there was nothing going on in Westmead at the time from, from a football point of view much. And I knew we had a huge, you know, and obviously you had the likes of good friends, Vinny Minnock and Stevie Quinn, and Brendan Larkin, they're all really good footballers and, I kind of, you know, that was the, the big the big swear for me, you know, so I kind of, we did a week, a week, I think I did, I did a week in the Mercy College of Moat and uh, transferred over to Clara and everyone, you know, a week later, here I was, you know. So,
2: <laughs> so you so, did well, though, in GEA circles in our school, Ciarán, didn't you?
3: Oh, we did, we did. No, look, I said we. I was very, very lucky because um, we had such a crop of players. I can, you know, all them lads. Give us, mention someone, who a Scott they? Brady, Darren Kelly. Karen Amara, Wesley Coyne, all these fantastic, fantastic footballers, you know. And, you know, we, we ended up then, We you know, we won a Leinster vocational school with the with the team. You know, it was very, very lucky the whole way up that I had, I had great players around me. And, you know, it was, it was always nice because at the time we were doing very well in Ballycumber as well, like, you know, in the minor. Um, I remember coming in the first week um, after winning one of the minors and uh, Dominic Einan met me in the corridor and said, you know what, we have a good team this year. You know, Clara after winning the minor A and Ballycumber after winning the minor B. So I ended up, I suppose myself, Vinnie Minnock and Stevie Quinn were the full forward line in the, in the on the vocational school team, and oh, yeah. surrounded by Clars and and uh, Brendan Larkin as well. You know, so it was it was a great kind of amalgamation of of both clubs. Like you know, so you settled in very quickly into school in Clarendon. I did, like you know, like I, I, you know, obviously Terence was after been in there, and Leonard was after been in there, and you know, the best of times, the best of friends from Clara as well, you know, so uh, it's very, very easy to settle in with all the Ballycumber guys there as well, because like at the time there was a 52-seater bus going in every morning, you know, so it was a huge contingent of Ballycumber there. I suppose you found your musical, uh, an extra bit of music
2: career in Clara then, can you tell us about that? I
3: did did indeed, Lloyd, look, sure, look, it all ended up um, that, like I I knew there's a couple of young lads in, in much lower class that were kind of... Good good entertainers. I heard of it like a young guy called Joe Egan and Ronan Kenny and Ian Redmond they were playing a bit of music and uh, the idea came up then for uh, to put a, a school concert together. Of course I was after doing a bit in the tops like the Lemiz and whatever and you were kind of I knew Lloyd Bra- I knew you were gigging, you were still a, you were gigging away for years. <laughs> 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 and um I think it was in fifth year, we asked we got asked to, to sing a song at the school concert, the end of year school concert. I know Norin Rabbit was to sing the core song runaway was it runaway away, run, run away. yeah you. yeah and it was just that and, was unbelievable no doubt I think no God doubt speak. yeah and um, we were kind of said look let's do something let's do like the commitments let's do the commitments let's do Mustang Sally and it was unbelievable like we we went out that day first of all I always remember getting out of a double geography class with you from Miss O'Connell <laughs> she was raging <laughs> <laughs> and the two of us high-fiving down the corridor <laughs> <laughs> heading down for rehearsal <laughs> And um, that was that was, that was was great, but look, the night we played in the Star that night, uh, something happened. You know, I got a buzz, you, you get a buzz in, in John Player Tops, you get a buzz doing the score and this, another. and the other. but the buzz of playing with a live band that night, and the whole Star just singing back,
1: right Sally, right, oh
3: Jesus lads, it was just one of the best, it was just one of the best moments, and it was kind of, that was, that was the moment for me that I said, like I got goosebumps, I just said to myself, this is where it's at lads, you know. So you got an extra yeah. hunger for it do you think oh yeah 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 and like you know the for weeks after like you'd be walking around the school and everyone right Sally right. you know <laughs> it's like it's unbelievable <laughs> no matter where you went it was right Sally Roy right. was going after you and uh so we said look we we actually got um. that was I suppose started sort of youth then you know we kind of said let's go we all came back the following year and we we put the put the band together you know with, with Joe and Ron and Ian and yourself and myself you know so
2: of course there was plenty of gigs then wasn't there when down in, the, down in the Dolphin and There was there Dr. Copperj's
3: Ah look Lloyd we, we, we had the best of times Like you know Back in the Back in them days Like we, we were doing a We were doing a Leaving cert, like You know and we, were, we were here Gigging every weekend and Everything And uh, Like me that's what happened to me Yeah exactly But I always remember I always remember Going out to the Dolphin On Paddy's day And uh, the place was Black with people It was black with people And I remember going up And started Started our set At about 2 o'clock in the day and um, she went down a bomb. Went down an absolute bomb. And again, it was just it was just incredible. Roll on six hours later. I think we we're after playing the same set three times. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd like to Sean Kennedy. It's oh, coming up for sorted, you. Ah, <laughs> uh, look, unbelievable. We're, we you know we we could still be there in early. You know, we I think we played a set three times that day, and the place was just absolutely rocking what a great time like you know do you think he could have
2: asked for a better apprenticeship in the no, music business
3: absolutely not and like as you said there we used to play Coppages there in Moat and I suppose leading on to our, our apprenticeship that's where our good friend Lee McClaffy probably you know he would have got word because we, we ended up playing a lot of the, the grad masses and all the rest I remember playing a great grad mass uh, afters in, in Coppages the place was jammed and it, the crack was just unnatural Lee McClaffy up the road heard about what was going on down the road <laughs> And uh, we got a call from him to see would it be interesting maybe developing of Jute and bringing it on you know bringing it on a step further I suppose you know so
2: So we had to change the name we were getting too old for Sorted Youth
3: Yeah yeah <laughs> we were getting too old for Sorted Youth and uh, like it was too hard to say anyway you know <laughs> so I'd like sort Sorted Youth for a second yeah. because one, one of the gigs that stands out for me Now I know this is your podcast <laughs> but the,
2: one of the gigs that stand out for me was we organised the star downtown. Yeah. Okay. We were in school and we made tickets. I think, mm-hmm. I think Michelle Kenny made yeah. tickets for us and everything. I remember the five of us looking through the keyhole at the door at the end of the hall, mm-hmm. nervous. Was there anybody going to come? Yeah. You know, yeah. are we going to make fool of ourselves? But it ended up a great night. But that was one thing that sticks out in yeah, my mind.
3: Yeah, me. and again, like it's just gas like cause you're putting this show on yourself, like you know, and you have it all to lose, like. <laughs> If <laughs> it all to lose but uh, no like look the rent to star, we yeah, the rent the star yeah to rent the star like that's, that's big big money you know but um, no look it was absolutely yeah looking out the keyhole to see how many people were coming in and it ended up being a great night you know and uh, just showed that we were kind of we were capable of doing things if we if we bothered you know so so you're saying so church
2: mice came about then from that yeah like uh, it was
3: it was Willie you know actually Leamy would be great friends with Willie Carty who'd be you know Mike Denver's manager and the conquerors manager and all the rest, and I remember meeting myself, and myself meeting Willie and Leamy over in the old Shabine over a couple of bottles of Heineken, and uh, <laughs> and uh, Willie said, "Look, lads, great band, great this, great that, the name, you have to change the name." And I said, "I said, what about Church Mice?" Me and you looked at each other. Then we looked at Leamy, and then I looked, then I looked at you again, and I said, "Church Mice, Church Mice." I said, "Well, something." Something about it, I kind of said straight, like straight away. I said, "Yeah, definitely," because this is it's a name that you're never going to forget. And uh, if we've if we've a product to back this up. We'll be, we would be we've a good chance here, you know. So <laughs> of course, so that's in, kind Cla- of in Clara, then fairly quickly we were known as the Chapel Rats. The Chapel Rats or the rug Rats or whatever. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: but going back to the
2: apprenticeship, then obviously, hmm. but like. Church Mice was very successful in its own right for oh. for young lads a lot of TV shows that yeah. stuff like we might never even get now No no you wouldn't
3: got. you wouldn't get it light see that's the thing back then like you were guaranteed if you were in the top 30 like, what we did was we brought out the, the Steve Harley Cockney Rebel uh, song um, come up and see me make me smile and uh, God almighty it just took off for us you know the local radio got on board and I remember going up to 2FM with you and Leamy Claffey and I met God be good to him I met Larry Gogan in the in the, in the canteen and Liam like, said go, go on go on let's hear, bring up bring up that bring up that single and yourself, and yourself up to up to the legend that is Larry Gogan the legend that is Larry Gogan we handed him the the EP and he picked it up and he started laughing he said Church Mice what a name <laughs> we were we were driving out 15-20 minutes later here's a new song from a new band from the Midlands and that's what Larry Gogan is yeah and Larry would not even have heard that song. He never heard it, never heard it, it, it never never, never knew anything about us. But that was the thing about Larry Gogan, he always gave you a chance. And he was always very, very good to me, even after, you know, even in, after your star days, up until his death, he was very, very good to me, you know. Yeah. So. Well, have a little listen to this. This is a, a little piece from the Den TV with oh. Dustin. I don't think we
2: got a word in edgeways in this. <laughs> and then after that, then we did Up for the Match. That's right. Off and and Kenny in the All-Ireland Final. and and we were one of the first first bands to give something to everybody in the audience have a little listen we got
6: some mice got dentures, in the house hold on socky, socky Socky the socky. boys are in they're here the boys are in is there a wedding or something on lads what's the story <laughs> <laughs> on, what's the church mice are. I heard your <laughs> song on the radio it's cool come it's on
1: and good. see me make me you smile you've been it all <laughs> you've taken every call that's pretty good that's not bad is it I will return Sunday Miss you. Miss your letters sent it
0: Now, that was pretty stirring stuff. That was the Offaly Rover as performed by Church Mice, and they were mobbed when they appeared down at the Festival of Kerry. And It's not surprising, I will be keeping an eye on you, lads, when you're going out tonight. Don't let any of these women from the audience, you're, uh, you're, you're in safe hands here, I can tell you. Those are the Church Mice, and that was the Offaly Rover. Now, um, never let it be said that you go away from this program empty handed because the, the guys in the band are very kindly. Given us one of their church mice T-shirts, so you can see it is. And the good news is that there is one for everybody in the audience. that's
2: right Simon, did yeah. anybody ever get the T-shirts that <laughs> night?
3: <laughs> we brought up a box in them. I no, we did, we did. I mean.
2: <laughs> and they gave away CDs as well. There, we didn't hear that. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly.
3: Uh, I wanted look that that version of the Off the Rover. That was, you know, that was special as well. You know, because. It was, a, it was the first time it kind of had been rocked up you know and uh, I thought it was I thought it was great. I it was remember great. God Be Good to him. <coughs>
2: Sylvester uh, uh, Brother Sylvester. Sylvester was in the front of that mm. audience that night and I think he wrote a little piece in the paper the following week that he wasn't too happy no, about no. the rocked up version of Off The Over. <laughs> mm,
3: I think I think he wanted you know he wanted more of a ballad group involved but like you know What about, you know, we were kind of, uh, we were raw and we were young and we were kind of where it was at at the time. Like, you know, and it was just nice to do something a little bit different as well, you know, but uh, what you wouldn't get to do to to go back and do something like that again, you know.
2: Last (laughs) little memory on church mice was was for me was, Steph and herself went to Dublin one night. We drove up to Alan Corcoran. It was Ireland's Rising Stars on on RT Radio 1, Mm -hmm. which was a huge program to do. And I remember we did the interview and it was pre-recorded. So myself and yourself I've stopped off for a bag of chips And I have a pack or something <laughs> We stopped thinking Begging to listen to it Because it was on late At night yeah, 11 yeah. o'clock or something So these two lads come on Yourself Bally Cumber Myself and Clara mm-hmm. And we had two Dublin accents <laughs>
3: You know what, uh, I have to say, right, one thing about Liam Claffey as a manager, <laughs> that man put us everywhere, you know, he was he was, he was was a step above everyone at the time, like, you know, he had all the tricks and uh, like, I have to say, very, very grateful to, to Liam, you know, because uh, he put us in all these situations, you know, that no other young band at the time was getting them kind of opportunities, you know, so... It was fantastic. Yeah. Simon, I think it was New Year's Eve, ninety eight or ninety nine, you decided to, to up
2: sticks and uh, further yourself a bit. Was was that a tough decision at the time to uh, leave Church Mains?
3: It was, like, you know, but I I think at the time we'd all kind of said, you know, we can kind of we we went around in circles for a couple of years and we kinda of did what we did. Like, you know, we, we got a couple of the, the top thirty hits and whatever and T V and all the rest and but like at the end of the day. Um, I suppose, for us to develop, we, we, you know, you sometimes need to kind of move on. And, and at the time, Lloyd, I was getting a lot, an awful lot of offers from different, you know, if I was to, if you know, the amount of offers I got over the years to do things that never happened. But <laughs> that, that's, is that, about that, is, that is the music <laughs> business. I remember, like, uh, heading off to Sweden to, to record six tracks, like, you know, because I was going to be in this boy band, you know, and this the other and all the rest. But, um, Unreal, like you know, I went over there, recorded recorded five or six songs that that would be their their number one hits, like you know, but just never again, just never saw the light of day, like you know. But th- th- they're the things that happen in the music business, you know, the amount of the amount of setbacks you get, it's incredible, like you know. So, um, but yeah, look, I think from from a mice point of view, it was kind of um, it was probably time for everyone just to to move on and see what we could do, like you know, mm-hmm. because uh, there's only a certain amount of the clubs scene that you can do and the college scene and yeah, all the rest.
2: Moving on, Simon. A lot of people might know that you did other talent shows as well before you were a star.
3: I did indeed. Yeah, well, like it, it was back. I suppose the thing about the you know from moving from church mice to to other things like reality TV shows was was begin to happen. And um, I remember Louis Walsh, not name dropping now, but Louis gave me a buzz to see what I go into audition for pop stars, which was back in two thousand and one, two thousand and two. I said, look, I. Didn't, I didn't I was kind of like I'm not you know I don't want to be in a boy band or, or a boy girl band you know this you know these kind of steps and all the rest because I haven't a step in me <laughs> two left feet that's what I have when um, he said no look we're looking for good singers we're looking for strong singers and we need you know the show has to be kind of successful or whatever so look I, I put myself forward for it. I remember Una Healy was actually on that as well and uh, Brian Ormond I ended up you know doing pretty well I think it got down to the last fifteen or that you know but it, that was it was all pre recorded in Portumna. And um, we were kind of we had the signed secrecy agreements and all the rest. And the band was going to be announced after Christmas. I remember me, you know, down at Flins, Christmas Eve. So oh, did you get into the band? Did you? You know? <laughs> and I was there. Like I was after. I was out weeks at this stage, but I wasn't able to tell anyone, you know. So, but uh, like that was that was kind of what happened. And, like and then as as you know, the same production company, Shane and Will, uh, the following year came along with Eurostar, and again, I wasn't going to go in for that. And um, I I kind of. I said no I'm not putting myself through that again like you know because it was, you know the pop stars kind of knocked my confidence a bit like you know because they were looking for a certain thing and it was all about the judges really you know what I mean So why did you decide then 2003 to take another leap into Eurostar? Yeah well again it was, it was probably Ronan Johnson to be honest Ronan was the musical director for, for Eurostar and he rang me and said look this is different this is all about the voice this is all about you know we're looking for we're going to see how it goes you know we haven't been successful in Eurovision for years we're just going to try and launch this and see what happens. And I remember Denise as well, my wife, you know, my girlfriend at the time, saying, "Look, just go for this. This is you. This is more you, you know, because this is going to be all about the voice." And, and I went for it. I remember my my very first audition was on Stephen's night, but you know, I was going live on TV. And I remember getting through the Dublin stage and coming back into Gavin's that night and been lifted on shoulders. And and that that's when it started. Stephen's night. That's when it started. And it was just it was un, It was just a absolutely incredible rollercoaster for the next 20 weeks like, you, course, you described it yourself as an All-Ireland final
2: every Sunday night
3: it was it was like a, you know if I was to be you know if I, if I was to be here for two years I still couldn't thank the amount of people that, that got involved that time it just took it took the Midlands by storm it took awfully by storm You know, it started at Ballycumber and just spread its wings to Clare and Tullamore and Offaly, the whole of was behind, then the whole Midlands. And it was was just, it was an incredible time. It was an incredible time. And like every, as I said, every Sunday, (laughs) you'd go up there and it's just busloads and busloads coming up from from the Midlands, you know, from Clare and Bully and. So take yes. us
2: through it then. Who who chose your the songs every week, and you had a week to learn them and all this sort yeah, of
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, like it is. It was a kind of a funny process because you know you got through on the Sunday night, and then you had to start thinking straight away. You, you had a meeting the next morning to pick the songs for the for the following week, and you'd be given a kind of well, it's going to be love next week, or it's going to be American week next week, or it's going to be this. And I always kind of had a couple of songs, in my, you know, that I really wanted to sing. And obviously, we'd meet um, one of the judges at the time was Phil Coulter, and uh, Phil, we'd meet him on a would meet him on the Monday morning he'd come in with the piano and uh, you'd go through songs with him and he'd he'd give you his honest opinion if you thought that this was a runner or not like you know so it was it was great and then like I said you got the the outline of the song you were back home then on the on the Monday night and back then up to Dublin I think on Thursday, Friday Saturday, Sunday and back again you know so it was kind of you're getting around to schools and all the rest and trying to you know meet you know shake a few babies and <laughs> not shake them or shake their hands <laughs> What
2: was it like on a Monday morning right most of us were getting up to go to work oh. and you were going to meet Phil Coulter what was that doing? Like?
3: That was great. Like, you know, I said, like, you know, I was very, very lucky to have the judges that were involved that year. Obviously, Louis Walsh was the kingpin of, of managers, you know, na- you know international manager. But my big guy, you know, the big guy that I had most respect for there was, was Phil Coulter, you know, because Phil had obviously written songs there for Luke and Sinead O'Connor and, you know, the best, the best, the best of songs in the Bay City Rollers. And what a legend, like, you know, what an absolute legend to be kind of working with. Yeah. I think the the highlight for me throughout the whole thing was when I when I sang Scorn Out of Simplicity because I remember going into um, on the morning morning and it was going to be it was Irish week the following week Irish Ballad Week and I kind of said to Phil look Phil I'd love to sing Scorn Out of Simplicity and uh, he was he was kind of blown away like you know and he said right right well he started the intro and I sang it and uh Goosebumps. Stuff, Goosebumps, you know. absolutely, Corder, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who wrote this song wrote about his, song. his son. Yeah, wrote a song about his son. I knew it was a very personal song to him. And I remember at the end of it, he just turned around to me, got up and and just hugged me. I hugged me and I was like, I was shaking. <laughs> so and I said to myself, just, you know, something happened that, you know, that day as well, that was a very special moment for me, like, you know, so. And I obviously... You know, after that, Phil. You know, kept me in his thoughts. Like, you know, obviously, after Eurostar, then uh, Ireland's call came about, and you know, Phil was after writing that song, and he asked me, what I, would I sing on it?" You know, so with the Irish rugby team, so it was nice. You know, it was lovely. Yeah. So there's a bit of. Um longevity there he remembered you when he wanted you
2: to Ireland's call was another massive
3: it was massive it was, stock. and it still is like, like it's amazing like any time like even last week there when Ireland are playing like you, you can see the, the Spotify like it just goes crazy or <laughs> you know, or, uh, you know it, it comes back into the charts and stuff like that so look it's been very very good to me you know of course that
2: was the judges but <clears> you did mention briefly the massive support from Ballycumber yeah. and Clara I mean the homecoming or one of the times you come home there was security guards remember John Cusack was
3: ah John look the again look, thousands Cusack. of people in Ballycumber what was that thousands, that must have thousands been, like it's it's hard. Like, I I was just looking through pictures there last couple of months, you know, um, and just seeing the mounted the thousands of people in Ballycumber themselves and Mickey Joe came back to Ballycumber and then on to Lifford. Like, you know, but the the, the, the reaction I got personally was, was unbelievable, like, you know, the thousands of people. Something I I said, just so grateful. So so grateful, like, you know, and it was it was just you know, we were kind of um could you know you just couldn't believe like as as the weeks went on how big the show was getting it was just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and then it ended up it was the biggest show we were actually at the time the biggest stars <laughs> you know, so, did, did you so, get a chance to take it all in ah look at the time at the time like you you try and be I'm very you know is I hope I am a very humble kind of person anyway you know but uh, I enjoyed every second of it Lloyd. I enjoyed every second never got too ahead of it never got too ahead of myself or anything like that you know but enjoyed every second of it absolutely so you reached the final in the end, yourself mm-hmm. and Mickey Joe
2: Hart, with, with a song written by Brian McFadden, no doubt, mm-hmm. uh, Better Plan. Well, when you heard the song choices that yourself and Mickey got, were you happy with yours? Did you think it was made for you or did you think, oh, Mickey's one? is faster.
3: Ah, <laughs> yeah. See, this is the thing. Like, <laughs> we got down to the last four. We were given four songs. So had, obviously Mickey Joe, was my brilliant friend Michael Leonard. Um, and Lisa Breslin. And the four of us were given four very, very different songs. Uh, I remember going into a room and hearing my song, A Better Plan. The first thing I heard was that that's Westlife. Like I said, that's very Westlife. I said, you know, I said, all right, right. Well, look, yeah, Jesus. You know, I heard it again. You know, th- yeah, that's nice. That's nice. And then the four of us were brought into a room together, the four of us, and the four songs were played in a row. <laughs> and I remember coming out of the room, I was there. I was just I was, we we're chatting away, and I was like, yeah, the world." And as it's like, you know, he, <laughs> you just, were hooked already. he. I was hooked on the song, you know. So obviously, I think, look, at the end of the day, Mickey got a great song. He got a great pop song. He got a very in- instantaneous song, I suppose, you know. So that was, uh, you look, as I said, I was happy with my song. It did very, very well for me afterwards, like you know. But his song was certainly the one that kind of caught the public, you know. Okay, well,
2: we'll have a little listen to a, <laughs> an audio memory from two thousand and three, and maybe a little surprise at the end.
6: and it's Simon Casey.
1: Our future just begun If we accept belief before the grief And start it all again But well, maybe we can find a better plan I
6: know that we can find a better plan Hey, Hi, Simon. Mickey Joe, and um, this has been a real kind of pleasure to be asked to talk about you. Don't get too nervous, Simon. Promise those secrets that we, uh, you know, that happened during your side, they will stay with us, okay? And that's the end of it, all right? So, the time that, you know, you and the share that we share together and stuff like that, listen, don't <laughs> worry, I, I won't let it out. Getting to know Simon, I suppose, through Eurostar, in all seriousness, was uh, a pleasure. He was a consummate professional, more professional uh, than I was at the time. Uh, he had a he was very professional in how he approached the song, how he pr- approached learning the song. You know, so every week there would be a new song, and what would happen was that you would have to learn, and so sort of you would get the song on a Monday, and you'd have to have it learned by you know the following weekend, you know, and inside out and upside down, and, and he was always really good at that, and really great at nailing all the notes and just his own delivery, and his own twist on it. I suppose when you share something like that, the two of us uh, being in the final, you share a life experience like that. You never forget one another, and I couldn't think of anybody better, to be honest, to have shared that with. He's a real gentleman, always has been. Long may it continue. I-
2: I tried to sing that note myself earlier on. It was horrible for about two hours.
5: <laughs> so ah, that was a, Mickey
3: Joe! Ah, what a like, like you know. Fairness, you know, people at the time after after the show, you know, thought we hated each other. Like, it's, and that, it's what just that amazing. perception
2: was yeah, put out there. It was, you
3: know? it was kind of like, an, you know, but like me, the, we, the papers made you out the next
2: day because I remember reading them. Like, mm-hmm. and I had your picture, and I had "glum loser" underneath. I'll yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, like, yeah. That that perception was there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I, I want an honest answer. When Ray Darcy said. Mickey Joe Hart was the winner. Mm-hmm. Did What did you think? Did your heart say I kind
3: of, to be honest with you, I had an inkling anyway. I did have an inkling, you know, because uh, kind of, you know, it's very hard to keep these things to yourself, like, you know, so there was a little bit of a rumour going around that we were just, you know, we we're after falling a bit short, like, you know, so I kind of knew before the... Um, so you disheartened even going on to that final then? Yeah, well, no, 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 because I tell you what happened, like, during the week, the week of the final, I suppose, we were kind of... Um, I was after signing a record deal with, with Universal, like so. I was kind of happy enough to be honest. It didn't I was. I know. It, well, look. You know, be, I'd be I'd be lying if it said it didn't matter because I suppose if you get to one of them shows, you kind of want to go all the way. Like, and just been pipped in the end was was tough. Like, you know. But definitely, I suppose for myself and Mickey Joe's point of view, like. We ended up in a skyline together, you know, in the same hotel room for my 16 or 17 weeks. Like uh, we shared together from day one and we ended up like we were, so we still had the, the same room at the very end. The two of us like, you know, so we became very, very good friends. I had great, great respect for Mickey. Absolutely. It couldn't be further from the truth that we're, we weren't best buddies, you know, so we were really, really close after then. We did a gig actually last, last Christmas in Harvey's Point together and you know, we got up and two of us sang. we got the world and a bit of crack, yeah, you know, so it was Look great memories great memories
2: was it was it uh, was it hard to come down from that show after I know you were very busy after, but the initial the next Monday morning when you weren't meeting Phil Coulter and you weren't getting a song ready for next week. 16, sixteen seventeen weeks in, you were so used to this now. this was like a
3: yeah, yeah, look, it was it was it was unbelievable at the time like it was kind of I suppose you know what do you do, but at the end of the day, I suppose I, I'd recorded and said I'd just signed a record deal, and so the big thing at the time was to get the get the singles out there, get get into recording studio, and there was a lot an awful lot of personal appearances and all this kind of stuff at the time as well, like and we we'd put a tour together. Very, very quickly after the whole thing as well. So it was straight on in, straight to the tour bus nearly, you know. I suppose like anything at the strike Will Aaron was hot as well.
2: So you signed for Universal, mm-hmm. three weeks at number one with, mm-hmm. with Better Plan. Uh, Platinum Album, various other hits, plus guys like Gary Barlow ringing you up to, uh, to write songs for you. Yeah, <laughs>
3: yeah. Uh, again, look, it's it's amazing. It's it, The music business is such a click. It is, and it still is, like, you know. So it, it's a very, like, if you're in that circle, it's such a small circle, like, you know, so I remember my, my old manager, Anto Byrne, used to be... um he was Westlife's tour manager and very 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 good friends with Shane File and Shane said, Look, I have a great song for Simon. And it was a song that was after co-writing with, with Gary Barlow. At the time Gary Barlow was after finishing up with Take That, but Gary was writing big, big songs for, for Blue and for Holly Valance and all like all these Delta Goodrum, all these big stars at the time. Like so he turned turned into a songwriter more than an entertainer, you know. So but I always remember the first day, the first night I went over to, to London to record my to start recording my album, my producer brought me out for dinner. I said I'm a little surprised for you tonight and uh Gary Barlow was there Marty Pello was there uh, two of my favourite singers of all time Like I would Marty have said Pello. even before you mentioned yeah. Marty Pello would have been a huge yeah yeah I love love his voice love everything about him and uh, so I had dinner with them two and I looked across and who was sitting across from us only Elvis Costello and uh I said I won't. At the time, I, I just had a camera phone. The Camera phones are just out, and the manager said, "Do not, do not go over there." <laughs> so, so no, I missed. I missed that. But uh, no, I just kind of waved over, and we kind of waved back. You know, and uh, so that was kind of. We were actually in Notting Hill eating eating dinner that night, and uh, meeting all them people, like people that I kind of looked up to all my life. As time moved on, then, and of course you were obviously
2: signed to Universal. Did you? Did you ever feel pressure at any time that? Geez, I have to make this next single work or
3: yeah yeah I remember I remember saying to me um, you know I remember you know A Better plan had been such a big big hit I was thinking to myself alright well look we need to follow this up on an album or whatever and you know the pressure was on the pressure was on like you know but we were lucky enough that the album went very very well for me the big thing was like at the time I would have signed a five a five album deal with Universal at the time uh, I ended up doing two of them albums and then at the end of that second album uh, signed for another little while did another couple of things and then we kind of I won't say I got dropped from Universal. This is a, this is the, the truth. Like I, I went into Dave Pennyfeder and we had a great chat. He was the MD of Universal at the time, and we kind of shook hands and said, "You know what? We've probably taken this as far as we can take it at the moment." Because I I, I kind of had to try and get out of my deal as well, in a way, because I was trying to get in, involved in a in a show that I had to that I couldn't be signed to a record deal, you know. So it was kind of like um, it worked worked for both of us, really, you know. Were you happy with the with the albums you brought out back then? Was it was it your thing? I think it was, yeah. Like um, The first album, as I said, was well, a lot of songs that I would have sang on, on the show, like um, along with A Better Plan, you know, so that kind of sold out. The second time around then, we took our time about, you know, because so that was 2003, you know, the second album I think came out three years later, like you know. so it wasn't as if we were kind of jumping on the bandwagon anymore. You know, We kind of went away from it for a while, uh, put a, a band on the road with yourself, you <laughs> yourself and Joe Egan and all the rest, and we, we put a new album together. And it was kind of... More kind of I won't say country oriented, but there was definitely a nice little country flavour to it, like you know. And again, did very, very well for me, you know. So, um look, as I said, all these things are little stepping stones. So Simon, you went back to your roots in a way, you went back, you did a musical then, Greece. But it was no ordinary musical,
2: this was in the point depot. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> this uh, wasn't in the broke at and I, yeah.
3: <laughs> I know look, I, again, what happened there was I, I got a call from uh Louis Walsh's office uh, to see whether they're looking for Kind of a special guest to be teen angel in Dublin when I came to Dublin. And i asked me, he said, Look, we, we want you, you know. So I had to go over, I went over to flying over, I went to flying, flying over to London and I sang a song for him and said, You yeah, have the job. <laughs> so, so I went, uh, I think we did 10 weeks in the point every night full point every night for 10 yeah. weeks I mean, did a matinee then at weekends as well you know so it was another fantastic experience I remember
2: myself and Joe Egan going up to that like, when you brought us backstage and everything it was great <laughs> yeah,
3: it was, yeah. <laughs> Oh, we some crack and I remember like you know just it was great like that's the thing as well I like, as well with me like no matter where I went where there was any like you know, any of these after shows or anything I always brought people with me you know what I mean a couple of lads from Ballycumber or yourself or whatever you know what I mean I always there's, brought there, there's
2: a lot of people in Ballycumber was in Lily Bordellas they might never <laughs> have seen Lily Bordellas during Eurostar.
3: oh god I remember I remember the, the last I think it's the night of the final and of course there's a the bus store from Ballycumber trying to get into Lily Bordellas <laughs> and it's kind of a, it's very much a VIP you know absolutely I guess you Know obnoxious enough spot now, you know, to be honest, <laughs> wouldn't be my scene at all. But uh, when we all ended up there, and uh, all the ballycumbers, a good few ballycumbers at the door trying to get in. And remember Louis Walsh, all, Louis, Louis, let us in. Ah, Louis, come on, come on, lads, get in, let
1: them in. They're bomb bally comeback, let them in. They're, they're Simon's freak, let
2: them in.
3: I had a whole lot of them up to the VIP lounge. Ah, lads, and they loved Louis after nearly, you know, nearly brought him in the shoulders. <laughs>
2: go so back a little bit then, where does Mrs Casey come into all this? Denise, where did you meet, Simon?
3: Well, myself and Denise were actually in the same class together, in National School. You know, obviously, Denise from Le Monaghan, I'm from Boher, and uh, we went to school together, low infants together. We had our communion together, confirmation together. And, and there's actually a photograph as well that's on my Facebook profile, but um, the two of us together when we were about 10, just sitting, standing beside each other. You know, I don't know how that picture came about, but we obviously had there was something there even back then, like, you know, but um, I suppose it was back then Roll on to 1999 The Ballycomber GA Used to put on a holiday And I remember Nearly 150 of us Heading out to Back in the good old days Grand, Grand Canary oh, That's <laughs> the best The best time I ever had in my life And uh, myself and Denise Just got, got together On that holiday You know right, Ever so, since then So now you're 1999 Yeah so ever since then like, And we, we got married then uh, In uh, 2007 Three kids. kids. Three kids. Yeah. Grace, Mella, and John. Grace, Mella and John, yeah. So it's it's been uh, it's, it's look, they're they're great in my life, you know. living in a Ballycumber, where else is living it? in Ballycumber and loving every second of it. But well, yeah. let's have a, a little listen to some of those people in your life.
0: I love my daddy because he encourages me to play the guitar
6: and use my talent. I love my daddy because he's the best in the world and he's really kind to everyone and he's really good crack.
0: Hi, Lloyd. I've known Simon all my life, really, since I was four in junior infants. We're now 13 years married, and I think it's 21 years officially together. Oh, you could probably add a few on to that. He's still the same kind and humble person that he was even back in school years ago. He's never changed. Um, yeah, we're very, very happy it's still, thank God, and I feel very, very blessed. I love my daddy because he's so nice to- and he always encourages me so much and he's the best daddy in the world
3: Well know I oh, thought I was the best daddy in the world <laughs> John I'm very disappointed ah God thanks Lloyd that 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 means an awful lot to me seriously I, I had no you know no idea no anyone that's, yeah, yeah, lo- that comes on that really. is lovely that is lovely really really. It's nice lovely. to hear your kids speaking so highly of the yeah, great dad see, you know I think it is the, the mother and parents and that like you have to be your kids best friends like you know and that's kind of what we are you know we're we're all best buddies and we tell each other everything and we have the crack, you know, so yeah. it's uh, brilliant. brilliant. Love it. Let's
2: go back to the music then for a
3: minute. I mean, <clears throat> you
2: have lots of studio albums to your name
3: and I would say lots of
2: versatility in everything. You did country and mm-hmm. down that road you can do, obviously, singing in the church and hymns and pop and rock Ooh. and everything. Uh, is vers- versatility the key to staying out there?
3: You know what? I certainly think it is because, again, going back to the Universal days, when it came to an end, like the end, they didn't really want me gigging. You know, they didn't want me doing anything. They wanted me just to record and do nothing, really. just be kind of bring out something. Then, oh, here he is! You know, bang! You know, but I was more of kind of you know, I wanted to be gigging. I wanted to be doing stuff. It was the church my days, You know, I wanted to be, I wanted to be gigging in the dolphin. I wanted to be in the cupches. I wanted to be, you know, this is the thing. I wanted to be down in playing in Gavin's and and the bar the, and the shop counter. That's where I wanted to be. You know, so I kind of. um that that was it. Complete complete another versatility and kind of. And in fairness, Lloyd, it has it has it's done pretty well for me over the years. Like you know, it's it's stood me in good stead. I think you know to I'm able to turn my hand to a few different genres. You know, mm-hmm. so of course, weddings is probably your main
2: mm-hmm. business now. Um, obviously, twenty twenty has been tough. How have you been coping through the whole COVID
3: experience? Ah, twenty twenty. Ah, look, Lloyd. Again, like twenty twenty can be you know seen as a. a a positive enough thing as well, like you know. Certainly, look, a positive thing from from a family point of view, and you know, from take getting your breath back and all the rest. But that was grand. Maybe you know, after a month or two, then you're kind of thinking, right? But what, what is going to happen here? Like you know, really, you know, you, you do start to worry about your about your family, about everything. You know, whether your ribs are going to, you know, fend for them, or you know, you know yourself at the end of the day. Like so, I kind of said to myself, look, you can do. You can go one way or the other here. You can go and get depressed, or you can go and kind of. Try and look for a positive outlook, and that's when I kind of started just working on the, on the albums, well, you know, finishing off the album and all the rest. And it was just lovely to have something to show for for twenty twenty. You yeah, know, Of was a pandemic. You,
2: know. you brought out a brand new album, this kind of love.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And you know, it's been you know the reaction has been fantastic, Lloyd. Really, you know. So as I said, it's, 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 it's twenty twenty. A lot of a lot of twenty twenty has been very very negative. You know, trying to you know trying to jumble. Brides and grooms, you know, trying to get the weddings, you know, moved for, for twenty one, twenty two, twenty three, like you know, and we're all just, we're absolutely just, we don't know what's happening next week, you know. That's the way it was, like you know. So we're kind of some couples have changed their changed their wedding plans three or four times at this stage, you know. So you're trying to just keep up with everything, and then keep uh, keep the show on the road as well at home. I mentioned your versatility. Then uh, your
2: latest project, uh celebration of the Eagles, with the Sheeran family band, mm-hmm. Nigel Connell and, jo- and, and Nigel Connell and Johnny Brady, uh,
3: yeah. take it to the limit. That's been a massive success, has not it? It has, Lloyd, you know, in fairness, like, you can, you know, you can kind of come up with ideas of shows and, and albums and this stuff. I'm always day. doing that. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, your podcast is doing pretty well. <laughs> but um, you can spend hours and days and months and years trying to come up with something that might be successful. But when it just happens by chance, it's all the more sweeter, like, you know, because we, we got together to do a show in, in Ballymaton and uh, it just worked. We walked out on that stage that night and we walked off that stage and we said, lads, we have to do something with this show like you know so we, we put it together and I think we put four dates together uh, Tullamore the court hotel, sold out straight away um, Shrew up and up the north sold out straight away Trim sold out I mean, lads what's going on here you know so it was just incredible like the four dates we put together just sold out straight away like I said right? we need to develop this like you know so you know it's been a, it's been it's, a, it's been unbelievable and I, actually at the moment I'm meant to be just home from Germany, you know, we're meant to do a two week tour out there, like, you know, so there's, uh, and that's hopefully something we might do next year or the year after, like, you know, but no, oh, look, there's certainly it has wings and it will fly hopefully someday you know okay, of course you did an open
2: air gig as well this year didn't you
3: we did we did Yeah, it was our first uh, you know what I was gone because we you know we had not gig since March and we kind of come up with the idea let's do a drive-in concert you know and we did it in, in Kilbeggin the rain came I don't know where the rain came from but it was it was just the worst night possible but everybody everybody had a great night and we, you know it was a sellout it was a sellout down there and it was it was just, it was great. Let's hear from one of those Take It To The Limit members, Nigel Connell.
5: I know Simon a very, very long time. I'm not sure if he knows me as long as I know him. Back in my days when I was drumming, I would have been in the Midlands area based in Moat. I would have known Simon from Church Mice. He's a great singer. I was very fortunate then to get the job with the celebration of the Eagles music, Take It To The Limit, and with Johnny Brady, and I have to say from day one, we... We hit it off. Yeah, so our friendship really, really took off. And then we decided to record a duet together. And it was a Liam Lawton song called There's a Place. And that's that's when our friendship really, really blossomed. And, and we worked together. And like every music uh, performer uh, for 2021, we're hoping that we can share the stage again and bring the houses down again. Happy Christmas anyway, buddy. And uh, I hope... To God, all the listeners that's listening to this podcast uh, will love you even more than they already do. <laughs> God bless you, buddy. Take care. Thank you.
3: That's the nah. great, Nigel. You know what? That lad is just a pure gem of a lad. You know what a singer himself. <laughs> oh, he's a, he's 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 on another planet. You know, he's on another. He's just a great, great guy. And you know, we we have a couple of plans to do another, other few bits and pieces. You know, even away from the Eagles. You know, so uh, but look you know any night you go on a stage with them you know take it to the limit you're kind of working with the best you're working with the Shearans Johnny Brady and Nigel and it's just I think one of the reasons why it works so well Lloyd is because there's no no egos no no egos sorry I didn't say egos no egos in that band you know what I mean everybody's just we we know what we can bring to the table and it just works and uh, we all get on great with each other everything's a split there's no you know, he's getting more than me, or this. We are completely and utterly, and it really, really works well, you know. So. Mm-hmm.
2: Talk to me, Simon, about your Spotify figures before you actually get to that. Like, gone are the days when we used to travel down to Wexford and everything, and we'd be scanning CDs. No, we didn't. <laughs> 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 Signing CDs. But, uh, like, so it's Spotify now, and it's YouTube and Facebook and that. And mm-hmm. most handed to you, you're great
3: at all that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. in fairness. So, Spotify, what, what? Tell me about your figures there. I just say like back in the day when you're signed to a uh, a record label you think this is the be all and end all. This has to work. And at the time it kind of did have to work because you weren't going to get any plays on radio unless you kind of a, had a big record label pushing you. You know, you, you weren't going to get on the Late Late Show. You weren't going to be on Open House. You weren't going to be here now. there. But the way things have happened over the last 10 years with show, social media everything has changed like, within the business. And that's why all the all the big Big uh, record companies are gone now. You know, they're all gone. And uh, you're kind of left to fend for yourself. And it kind of works well for an awful lot of people, you know, that you can put something out there and see if it works and then maybe develop that. You know, and that's what I've been doing. Like, you know, stuff that I think works. I, I throw a lot of stuff out there. And if I think something is working a bit better than others, I kind of develop on that idea, you know. So And then, as you said, like, you know, a lot of people are kind of, you know, giving off about Spotify and giving off about Stream and this and the other. And again, you know, I can see their point. Like, you, I think you for every stream, like, you know, it's, it's worth kind of, like, 0.002 of a cent or something like, you know, which is not worth a damn, really. But I suppose if you get enough of them, yeah. you know, so... Well, it's um, either one of these things you have to embrace that is, and get something is, is, yeah. or don't
2: do it and get don't,
3: nothing. Don't right? do it and don't do nothing and just give out about it for the rest of your life because this is where it's at. Everything is streamed, like, you kind of just have to jump on board with Spotify and that's what I've done and, you know, I've been very, very lucky. I've kind of uh, become friends with a few kind of big enough kind of... Uh, uh, curators and this and the other and they put me on lists and you know this year just last week actually the the um, the 2020 artist uh, rap was just announced in 2.6 million streams you know which is crazy oh, for me yeah. like you know because last year I think I had five or 600 thousand which is great as well but
2: if you, you saw 2.6 million apps, exactly. you'd be number one for a two <laughs> yeah, years.
3: <laughs> you would, you would, yeah. So look, it's look again. It's just something that you're kind of you just have to either go for it or don't go for it. You know what I mean, Simon? When were you happiest in your career? You know what the the, the that I, I knew that this is it for me, right? Was it was actually sort of Duke gig, right? It was the it was the second year we came back, so we would have done Mustang Sally back when we were in fifth year. We came back, to, back in sixth year then when me and you were in sixth year, we came back and we we did it all again. But this time we were sort of dudes like... I remember singing... Uh, I, mean, I think we sang Mustang Sally again, maybe just for the crack. But we, I remember singing uh, Don't Look Back in Anger. I remember the whole star... The whole star singing back to us and I just to myself, this is just... I just... I just... I got I just... <laughs> How could I say? I just I had to breathe it in, breathe it in, breathe it in, and that was that was the moment for me. Like you know, but I suppose you know. So that, that was that was when I knew this is where this is what I want to do. Like you know, that was definitely the moment when I knew. So in sixth year in that that school concert, that's when I knew I wanted to do this. And then I suppose the biggest gig I then I done then that was uh, was probably two thousand three when I did the the closing at the Special Olympics in Crow Park. And I remember um, Jamie Lee Curtis and Colin Farrell. <laughs> the two of them introduced me onto the stage like I was like is this really happening like you know and I walked out there and all the nations you know all, all the Olympians were there and it was just the most incredible the love in that place that night you know all them special people there all them special athletes and all these you know, great A, you know, Hollywood stars, all, all there, like Schwarzenegger was there, Bon Jovi was there, all these people was there and uh, it was just, it was an incredible moment, like, it was really, really was, the love in Crow Park that night was just something that, if you could just bought it, you could live in it for the rest of your life, you know. Of
2: course, you had a song recently called
3: <coughs> Love Me, released um, a few years
2: ago, actually, and the video of that song is very special to you, if anyone hasn't seen it, it's filmed in
3: Gussies in Ballycumber, who else do we have on that video, Simon? Well, look, you have yourself. In fairness, you're sitting beside me there on percussion with my brother Terence, Paul Skelton, who's been a great friend of mine. Uh, your dad is in it as well, Paddy, uh, my dad. And then I suppose the most special person, like obviously Denise and, and Denise's mum was there as well. But my my own mum, Theresa, is sitting beside me in that as well, you know. And uh, that's uh, that's a very, very special um, video because obviously it's kind of two years to the day. Um, the mammy has got very ill, you know, and she's uh, she's she's fighting a, f- a very very hard fight at the moment, you know. So, just to have that is is a lovely, a lovely kind of keepsake, you know. Yeah, of course.
2: Uh, obviously, uh, the Casey family as a whole had some tough times in the last few years with your mum.
3: Yeah. Um, how how as a family did you did you deal with all that? Um, we we you know it's just shown great great unity, Lloyd. You know, the the, the bond we have as a family is just it's incredible really is incredible and my dad is just a great man you know he's uh, so proud of him because it can't be easy you know the love of his life is is now in Clara you know in Esker in the nursing home there and uh, in fairness you know like two years the, my whole life has changed my whole life has changed uh, in the last two years you know things will never be the same you know after that, that event two, two years ago you know and uh, I said "Mummy's just a very very strong woman like how she's still here we just don't know but she's still fighting and uh So proud of her lover to bits, you know. It must be very difficult, obviously, with COVID situation and visiting your mum and that. That
2: must have been tough this year.
3: That has been very, very tough. Like, I haven't held my mum, I haven't hugged my mum since March, you know, which is very, very, you know. I know there's lots of people in the same situation, but um, for me, because I am a mammy's boy at the end of the day, like, you know, we always had a huge, I know Terence said it earlier, but myself and my mum, we just got on great. You know, she encouraged me everything I ever did she, she encouraged me and uh, not to be able to hold her, hug her um, has been really really tough you know so just well, hoping maybe you know who knows if we can get some kind of um, lift in the whole thing we might be able to get into her again you know but yeah. at the moment it's it has been very very difficult you know window you know up to the window and saying hello to her and it's just very hard right? Yeah.
2: well I can only imagine and I know this and a lot of people <clears throat> don't but like you're in with your mum every day
3: yeah, yeah, I know. Look, I, I went into, I, I would go into my mum every every day um, when I could. At, you know, before lockdown, I was in there and I was, you go in for at dinner time and make sure she's getting the drinks and the the, the food and all the rest. And you know, and, and fairness, like the 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 staff in esquerie they have to be commended. Like they're they're incredible people. You know, they, they are they're a different breed of people. They're a different breed of person. For a person to work somewhere like that and give the love that they give to all the to all the I won't say the patients but all the residents you know it's just it's incredible light you know Mm -hmm. she's in very very good hands there you know but you know it's just nice I used to love just getting in there every day and having my having my hour with her and you know talking to her and maybe singing a few songs to her um, and letting her hear a bit of music and yeah. Do you know, bring her back to memories because it's amazing how bad her memory is. But if you start singing a bit of a song, she'll kind of sing along with you, you know. Yeah. So it's, it's well, I nice. wish your man well. Thanks, Lloyd. Thanks she's very much. A lovely woman. Ah, yeah, yeah. And, uh,
2: I remember she giving out, actually. I think I made you sing a Guns and Roses song in the Millhouse. <laughs> You're
3: not allowed to sing. <laughs> I know. I remember, I think I sang Nirvana. <laughs> she was or, right. <laughs> I think it's uh, uh, Teen Spirit. And I, I came home the next morning. I got up. I got up. I was down for breakfast. And I was oh, I
1: was going to get a, a, a cornflakes, man.
3: <laughs> <Every fucking second>. <laughs> <laughs> so, I know, look, yeah, she, she'd much prefer me singing the kind of the Les Mis songs or whatever, like, you know, but uh, no, that's where it was. And no, look, I said very, very, like, unbelievable support to me. And, you know, for, for a lad that wanted to, I suppose, you know, drop out of college twice, you know, to pursue my, my music career, you know, and she was way behind me with that as well. Like, you know, because... I don't know if I do that like you know as a parent, like you know, yeah. so I have to commend her for that, you know, and my dad as well, of course, of course, another special person in your life you did a song with Theresa Flynn, ah, yeah, yeah, she look it's um it's it's very tough Lloyd, you know because these are people that you kind of you know as a child child grown up I've, i i always and I know Theresa was involved in the Clara tops as well, and like what an amazing singer, like you know what an amazing singer, and I remember you know we used to have the sessions in Flynn's years ago, and um. You know, the guitar would come out at one or two in the morning, and we'd be there until five. You know, singing, singing away. And you know, when Teresa got ill that time, it was it was it was shocking. It was just to see her d- deterioration. You know, but I know Joe and Loyola were were amazing supports to her at the time, and you know, they encouraged her to finish that album. And she finished that album, and the minute she had that album finished, she got she just. Unfortunately, passed away. Like you know, so it was. It was. It's incredible. Like, but a very, very strong woman. But an amazing, amazing talent. And we, you know, I got to do a couple of duets with her as well. So she was. Ash. Look, you could you could talk about Mary Black or Dolores Kane or any of these or Dolores Reardon or any of these. But Teresa Finn had had it all. You know, or or better. Special person and uh, very supportive in tops of the town to everybody, as mentioned
2: by John Lowe Mm -hmm. a couple of weeks ago. Simon, people often ask me what genre is Simon Casey. I always say you're every genre because yeah. you can sing anything. Yeah. See, this is uh, the thing. i but, but,
3: but how would you describe? your... I would say a kind of. Uh, I, I suppose a country balladeer, maybe you know. But I see the thing about it is like, like my my favorite m- my favorite singer would be Jim McCann, you know, from from the Dubliners, and he had a sweet voice, like you know, Grace, Meet Me at the Pillar, all these lovely songs, like and they be my there there are my favorite songs, like you know. So it's kind of it's very hard. Like I love I love the country music, but I also love the Irish Irish ballads. So I kind of. I try and cross over between the two, like, you know. Okay, Simon, we're going to do a quick fire round. Oh, Lloyd. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <God. laughs>
2: If you're listening to the podcast, now you know what this is. <laughs> so, Simon Casey, are you ready for the quick fire round? I am, Lloyd. Quick as you <laughs> like. Here we go. First thing you'd buy if you won the lotto? Um, Ferrari. What actor would play you in a movie? Jean Claude Van Damme. <laughs> <laughs> Favourite Irish singer or band? Uh, Jim McCann. Favourite song to perform? Uh, Grace. One gig you'd like to go back and relive again? So did you in the sixth cl- or sixth year. Most famous person you ever had a pint with? Colin Farrell. Most famous phone number in your phone right now? Paul McGrath. Ballycumber winning a county final or are you having a worldwide number one song?
3: have to be the worldwide number one song. You'd have to be I know, I know, I know. God.
2: If you could duet with anyone, who would it be? Christy Dignam. Lastly is our million pound question from Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? sponsored by Stonchface of course so Nigel Monaghan get the checkbook out if Simon gets this one right <laughs> Uberon is the satellite of which planet? Mercury
3: Neptune Uranus or Mars? Um, I would say it is I have no idea Lloyd first of all um, I'm going to go with Neptune
2: You're going to go with Neptune
3: And Is that your final answer? That's my final answer Well you're wrong
2: <laughs> <laughs> It's C Uranus <laughs>
3: Oh I no, don't be like that
2: <laughs> Any regrets in the 40
3: odd years? Um no no I couldn't say there is I couldn't say there. like people say do you regret being a musician now you know after the last few months like because you're you're sitting at home and everyone else is working but like we've had we've had the best of times and them them good times will come back like okay know, so. well
2: any advice then for musicians coming up young
3: musicians be yourself be yourself because it's um there's an awful lot of artists out there at the moment that are trying to be someone else trying to sound like someone else just keep your own sound and and believe in yourself like and you know, work hard big thing is to work hard and don't turn down the gig. Briefly, your new album, This Kind of Love, is out now. Where can mm-hmm. we find it, Simon? Well, it's actually, it's on it's in Tracks in Tullamore. It's in Gussies in Ballycumber and uh, it's in Gillivans' Meat Counter in More. Oh, no, no. So this is a strange. <laughs> so we're going from Spotify now yeah. to Gillivans and More. Yeah, exactly. Well, look, the thing about it is, um, at, the, at the moment, as you know, with lockdown, there's not too many record stores open like, so I had to be I had to kind of put it out there locally anyway you know and the reaction has been unbelievable but if people want to buy the album the best thing to do was just um just send me a message on my Facebook page Simon Casey Music and I'll, I'll get back to them straight away and as I said it's on iTunes and Spotify and all the online platforms you know and there's a brand new version of a better plan on that isn't there as well there is there is because I said like at the time there was, there's no there's um, no it's not online anywhere, you know, it's not on Spotify. And a lot of people were asking, like, you know, where can we get it? You know, people trying to, I suppose, think about the past or whatever, like, you know. And uh, so I said I'd, we'd do a kind of a, a version. So myself and Danny Sheeran went into the studio and we, we did a 2020 version. And uh, it sounded really, like, I'm delighted with it, you know. At the end of the day, that song has been very, very good to me. So it just, it's nice to have it on, on the new album. And on that note, Simon Casey, thank you very much for joining me on the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Listen, thanks so much for having me because I really, really enjoyed the whole thing and I I really wish you the very best and uh, let's hope your podcast goes from strength to strength because it's it's what's needed, you know. So best of luck with you as well.
2: I'm going to let you pick one of your songs to finish out the podcast and you can also introduce it, Simon.
3: Yeah, we'll finish off with the, the title track of the album is This Kind of Love because it's a song that I wrote with, with my wife Denise and with my kids. You know, we were, sitting out at the, we were sitting out in the barbecue area over the lockdown and we said we'd bring out the guitar and we kind of put I'll put a couple of lines to it. So it's kind of a family fest, if you know what I mean. So uh, yeah, we'll finish off with that one. And listen, thanks once again. Oh, and Grace Mellon, John, I hope you get the royalties now. Oh, they are. Oh, yeah, look, look. <laughs> Daddy, look after that. <laughs> Simon Casey. Thanks Lloyd. Thanks, thanks for very that. much.
1: This kind of love is making me feel I'm on top of the world, I'm on fire This kind of love is burning so real Here you love, it's lifting me higher I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm alive Cause it's love, cause it's love, cause it's love This kind of love This kind of love This kind of love This kind of love You're all that I need Next to you I will be here forever This kind of love You're making me breathe Take my hand Hey, let's do this together I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm alive Cause it's love, cause it's love, cause it's love This kind of love, this kind of love, this kind of love is making me feel. This kind of love is burning so real. This kind of love.
0: Here at Stodgeface, Face, we take our baking seriously. And we're not talking about the panny de banana bread type baking. We're talking American style original recipe. Hard to come by donut frying cupcake styling baking. And we have done our research. Try it for yourself. We insist. Open weekdays from 10am and weekends from 12pm. We only close when the shelves have been emptied. We are currently located in Irish Town Athlone and our new Tullamore based venture is coming soon. So watch this space. We are people friendly, dog friendly and COVID friendly. We are Stodgeface. Face.
1: You just listened to What's the Story with Lloyd Bracken? Check out all our social channels for info on new episodes. Oh, and thanks for listening. On the town.